Well, I am so excited to have with us today Monique Ntumgia, who is one of the uh, most impressive people I've ever had the opportunity to connect with. Uh, she's working in Cameroon and neighboring countries doing uh, phenomenal work, uh, especially around women's empowerment, uh, eradicating poverty, and climate change. Uh, so she's really, uh, you know, really an impressive woman. Uh, Monique, welcome to the show. We're thrilled to have you back. Thank you, Devin. Thanks for having me. And um, I must say, when I got the mail, it was my birthday. It was my 31st birthday. And I missed everything that was happening. I termed, I, ter I defined my 31st birthday as my 30 wonderful year that moving forward, only wonderful things, amazing things was going to happen. So when the mail came and, you know, I literally screamed. I was like, oh, my God, this is a universe. Oh, my God. After how many years? Devin things, <laughs> Devin things are putting me in the book with the likes of Bill Gates. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. Thank you, Devin. Thank you. And it, I'm happy to be back. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's you have done the hard part. You have uh, done the work that deserves to be noticed and recorded. And it's my little job to record and to notice and help other people notice. Um, let's take just a quick minute. Remind people about the Green Girls organization and what you do. Okay, so Monique Tumgia is Cameroonian. She's the founder of the Green Girls Organization. And within the organization, what we do, what we've been doing for six years is we train specifically women and girls in African rural communities on how to generate energy from the sun and waste, making use of artificial intelligence that we developed an algorithm that permits us identify the specific clean energy problems that African villages face and how those clean energy problems affect women and girls. So thanks to this algorithm, we are able to put forward um, clean energy solutions in the area of solar installations and biogas installations that will provide clean cooking fuel and electricity. So we do not only aim at um, providing clean cooking fuel and electricity, but in the process of that installation, we train these women in the area of solar on how to assemble quality solar reading lamps. We create channels for them to sell. They keep 70% of the revenue. We keep 30% of the revenue. Same too with the biogas installations that uses waste to provide um, clean cooking fuel. We train these women on how to collect organic fertilizer, which is an agricultural byproduct obtained when you construct a biodigester. We show these women how to package the organic fertilizer. We create uh, markets for them to sell. They keep 70% of the revenue. We keep 30% of the revenue. That way, it's a win-win. That way, we do not get to, you know, survive solely on, on grants because whatever we make from the revenue, we run our office. We are able to impact other communities, um, establish focal points that, you know, follow up in every community that we have been able to, to impact. So that's what the Green Girls Organization has been doing for the past six years. Well, and it is amazing, amazing work, and you've received some appropriate accolades for that work. When you and I spoke before, uh, I asked you about your superpower, and, and you said it was your, your superpower was your ability to 
never quit, to overcome whatever obstacles may may be there. Uh, maybe we could call it overcoming adversity. Um, it's impressive. I, I can only imagine, and I mean quite literally, that I can only imagine what maybe you have overcome, the challenges you've faced. Would you share an example or two of some of the challenges that you've overcome? Ooh, I've, that's an amazing question, Devin. I've overcome the, a lot. Uh, what most people don't even know about me is the fact that I've been an orphan like forever. You know, I don't have any parents. And, you know, in life, uh, like I always say, we always have a choice. You could either decide to do things the right way or the wrong way. Either way, I'm of the opinion that whatever choices people make, even if it doesn't um, tie with your ethical values, you have to respect their choices because you're not in their shoes. So I've always known, I, I knew from a very young age that, you know, being a, a young lady, you know, um, not having any parents, any guardians, I had to be very careful with, decision, with the decisions I, I made for my life because from a very young age, I understood that failure, as necessary as it is, it's a luxury to me because I practically don't have anyone to fall back on. I practically don't have anything to fall back, back on, you know. So I have always been very, very careful about, you know, how I live my life, how I make my decisions, what I say, how I treat people because being where I am today is a testament to the faith, to the, to the fact that people are a potential bridge to your destiny. I'm where I am today because people believed in me, um, you know, gave me a helping hand, provided me with platforms. But you know, you have also been people who have taken advantage of me um, and, you know, just tried to use me or belittle me, you know. But I choose to always see the positive. So the first way that I've overcome difficulty generally in my life and with my, my story, is always choose to see the positive and the good side, not focus on the negative. That's the first thing. Because the negative sides, the ills will always be there. It's part of life. You just cannot go through life um, being experiencing one side of life, which is a good side. So I choose to focus only on, in terms, in terms of people relationships, the people who believe in me, those who positively criticize me, those who have lent me a helping hand, a platform, I chose to leverage on that. And for those who, you know, try to make my, my life a living hell or, you know, take advantage of me, it fueled me to be a better person, to work harder and to prove them wrong. That's, that's the first thing. The second thing is believing in myself, my ability before others believed in me because people can only do so much in your life, but it all depends on us. You know, so if I don't present myself to the best of my ability to Devin, for example, in the sense that, you know what, I can, I can be somebody of resource. I can be a resourceful person on your, on your podcast. I have my own story to tell. This is what I do to help other people, you know, who are going through this particular problem in this African rural communities. Devin would not have, you know, he, he, you would not know how to help me and, you know, how to position me to the best of your ability and to the best of your platform. So overcome, uh, focusing on the bright side of life, the positive side of life, against all odds, choosing to see the best in people, in situations, and also believing in myself. So the two main ways I've been able to, you know, overcome adversity generally. Yeah. You know, 
Monique, you might assume that some of us have some understanding of what it would be like to grow up an orphan in Cameroon. But I assure you, most of my audience would have no idea what that experience is like. And maybe it's too hard to talk about. I don't know. And I, I respect that if it is. But if you could give us some education about what that experience was like to grow up an orphan in Cameroon, we'd really appreciate it. Well, um, that's, that's not a problem because I believe there's power in us sharing our stories. You don't know who you are, you know, um, motivating or encouraging out there. Um, losing my dad at 12, but prior to that, being a victim of tribalism because my parents were not from the same tribe or ethnicity. So losing him did not only come with losing a parent that young, but it came with the fact that you know, everything was taken from us, from, from my mom at the time, you know, so experiencing all of that, going from having so much to having almost like, you know, nothing, living in the house where we didn't have electricity, we didn't have portable water because, you know, the property was taken, everything was taken or stripped of my, my mom, even though they were legally married. It was, it was hard, but from a very young age, and that was actually like, you know, the defining moment that I, I found my purpose in life at the, age of, at the age of 12. But the purpose was not refined. It was not very clear the way it's clear now. Then later on, moving on in life and then losing my mom to breast cancer. You know, I've seen, I've seen, the, the, I've seen you know, both worlds, you know. So um, it was very hard. It has been very hard. And for the first time ever, that was last year. I actually went for, for therapy. I actually went for therapy because over the years, from a very young age, from 12, I've been working in the sense of doing like petty jobs to make ends meet, to fulfill my goals and all of that. So I've always leveraged on work, you know, and just moving forward to cover up, you know, a lot of the scars and a lot of the, the psychological trauma I've been through. So it's always, it's always been the, the fact that, oh, okay, this happened to you. You don't deal with it because it's about mental, mental health, mental awareness. It's still something that is taboo in the African society. It's looked upon like white man sickness. It's looked upon like, oh, you're spiritually possessed. But mental um, illness, depression, anxiety is a huge thing. You know, I never knew that the fact that I just cannot thrive in an environment that everything is not planned is a form of anxiety and that's like nobody has that kind of like a perfect life but that was me because i was conscious of the fact that oh i don't have parents i don't have anybody to fall on so i must always have like 10 plans if this one fails this one has to work so and breaking down was never an option to me you know it was never an option it's always the fact that okay even if when i'm breaking down like there's a time watch that kind of hey girl if you're crying you gotta stop crying at this time because you have to keep going you know it was not up to the 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 lockdown came in, came, and then I saw how I did not have control. Like, for the first time, I did not have control. And, you know, this pandemic affected everybody. I don't care whatever, you know, domain you were. It affected everybody, good as bad. So I saw myself for the first time in, what, 18 years? I did not have a solution to keep working. I could not be on any platform, you know, to talk about what we were doing. I just did not have control over anything. 
you know so all of that started like coming back to me i was like okay so what do i do i really did not know what to do because at the time there was just nothing i could do and sitting still in one place hoping against hope not knowing what tomorrow holds it was a very dark place to be in you know because I'm not used to living life like this. I always know what has to be done, when, how. I always have a solution like, you know, the, the next available solution, solutions oriented. But this time around, there was no solution. What I even thought could be done was not even acceptable, you know. So it was, it was hard. But uh, being able to even talk about everything I've spoken about now, uh, therapy got me here and I'm, I'm and i'm still undergoing therapy and it's going well so far so yeah thank god for the pandemic well <laughs> that, that's good but you, you talk a little bit about how you learned lessons that are relevant in the pandemic let's drill down and talk a little bit more about how your strength for overcoming adversity has helped you have more impact in the world, how, has helped you do more good with Green Girls uh, organization and other efforts in your life to, to make a difference. How, how has your inner strength for overcoming adversity helped? You know, in life, Devin, they say you never know how far you can go until you risk going far. So in that space where I had control over nothing, I couldn't do anything, what I realized was my ability to remain calm, you know, because people, people, people like externally, people always say like, how do you do it? Like nothing seems to pressure you. Nothing seems to bother you. Nothing seems to, you know, really trigger you, you know, but I've always mastered the art of paddling like a duck, you know, underwater, like the legs are flapping, but on the surface, like I'm still, but trust me, this pandemic tested my resolve so i really tapped and realized oh okay so i can actually be calm and just go with the flow so i i searched within and what i did was the first thing i did was forgive myself for thinking that i have not done enough you know forgive myself for thinking that oh um there is so much more we needed to do you know, in terms of impact, so that by the time the world goes on lockdown, maybe we would have had much more impact than what we were living so, so, um, pending on, on the ground. The next thing was so forgiving myself for putting so much unnecessary pressure on, on myself and on my team because I'm a team leader. You know, everybody comes to me with their grievances, with their issues, but I never ever go to anybody because I shoulder everything. I'm like, you know what? Nobody should go through what I went through. Nobody should, um, life is already as hard as it is. But I forgot to take care of myself. So the first thing was forgiving myself for thinking I haven't done enough. I've not been there enough, especially for these women who, they were really just like abandoned to themselves. We really could not do anything. My staff who were just, you know, confused and for the first time looked up to me and I just could not do anything. And the next thing was, you know, taking care of myself because you cannot pour from an empty cup, you know, take care of myself, take care of my mental wellness so that when all of this passes, because this, these two shall pass, I am in the best frame of mind, you know, like to pick up and I have a clearer, you know, vision of, you know, what we should do, how we can prepare for this kind of a thing in the future. 
So like that's how I was able to, you know, just go through it, forgive myself and for thinking I wasn't enough, I hadn't done enough and, you know, take care of myself, especially my mental wellness. Over the years, prior to and since the pandemic, you've you've really accomplished a lot. Maybe you could just take a minute and put your accomplishments on the table for us so that we can put your your superpower overcoming adversity into the context of what you've done. The impact has been uh, it's been amazing. Uh, as it stands, we it's over. 48 African rural communities that we've been able to impact. It is over 4,500 girls assistants that we've um, trained. It is over 772 women. It is three African countries, Cameroon, Central African Republic, DRC, Congo. It is over 3,060 plus biogas installations across these communities that provide clean cooking fuel. It is over 1,500 solar installations that provide lighting. It is 48 Green Girls Clubs that serve, a, that serve as a platform where the women and girls in these communities where we impacted, who do not have the opportunity of taking part in the initial trainings when we come to the communities, the Green Girls Clubs permit those women, those girls who took part in our trainings firsthand to be able to act as peer educators and facilitators to their fellow women who for one reason or the other could not take part in our, in our training. It's been over, what, 3,500 eco-sustainable um, jobs that we've, we've created. Um, sexual harassment has been um, cut down, reduced across these communities by 75%. Education literacy levels have risen up by 65%. Um, the health, health has been improved by 70% in the cases of... Um, where we've impacted, the women no longer suffer eye problems, they no longer suffer bronchial issues, deforestation has been on an all-time low because trees are no longer cut down for firewood, you know, security is on an all-time um, high, financial empowerment is on an all-time high. So we've really done, uh, we've really done um, amazing, we've really done amazing. Over, what, um, 15 international okay. recognitions and awards. So, yeah. Wow. Wow. That's just amazing. That's just amazing. Now, Monique, the most important and difficult part of our conversation is what, what comes next. But I want you to help other people think about how they can overcome the adversity in their own lives, those challenges that get in the way. Um, what can people do? And you hinted at a couple of things. You talked a little bit about therapy. You talked a little bit about uh, taking care of yourself. You can't pour from an empty cup. Tell us a little bit about how you have created this strength. And, and I want you to be sure to think about the 12-year-old uh, that you were that overcame so much uh, without maybe being able to consciously think about all the things you can today. Help us understand how we can have that too. Hmm, that's an amazing question, Devin. Um, you know, um, personally, uh, for those who are going to listen and um, going through one or two things, the first thing is knowing yourself is the beginning of wisdom. It's mastery of self. It doesn't matter what age you are. Because if you, if you take a six-year-old 
and you ask that six-year-old boy or girl, who are you? What don't you like? They're going to tell you, oh, I like ice cream. I don't like vegetables. I don't like, you know, that's already mastery of, of self. But that's at the level of a six-year-old, a 10-year-old, a five-year-old, you know. So the first thing is mastery of self. Knowing yourself is the beginning of wisdom. You cannot change what you don't know. You know, because that mom, that dad, for example, asking the, 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 the child, what, what don't you like? What do you like? If they say they don't like vegetables, the mom should be thinking, okay, so how can I get my kid to eat vegetables? Is it through purees? Is it through, you know, you name it. So I'll say knowing yourself, first of all, is the beginning of wisdom. You cannot change what you don't know. That's the first thing. Then when you get to know who you are, you know, you know yourself, the next thing is accepting wholly who you are. Because there's only one you. There cannot be two, two of you. You know, there's only one you. Accept who you are, the good and the bad. And that which you don't like about yourself, you need to be able to know what you can change and what you cannot change. There are some things you will never be able to change in regards to what you've gone through. You know, I will never change the fact that I am an orphan and I went through all these things. It will never change. No amount of therapy is going to, you know, bring back my parents or, you know, flip the script and, you know, life will be better or I won't have to go through this thing. It's accepting that that's your life. You will live with it, but that's not going to define you. What is going to define you is the growth that is going to come out of this new person who is working on what he or she does not like. You know, so those are the steps I'm going to tell anybody, that's the advice to tell anybody. First thing is, who are you? Because knowing yourself is the beginning of wisdom. You cannot change what you don't know. After knowing who you are, accept who you are, hopefully. Don't try to accept bits and pieces. Accept who you are. In accepting who you are, know you cannot change everything. What you can change, you change, and then you leverage on the growth that comes from that. Like right now, for example, I best know how to advise, you know, somebody who's been through what I've been through. At first, all I would say is, you know, just go with the flow, believe in yourself, you know, but like, that's not it. The first thing, now I know best that I should tell anyone, who are you? That's the first thing, because you can't change who you, you, you are not. Who are you? And I, at first, I thought I knew who I was. No, at first, I was working from a place of, knowing what I've been through in, the ter in terms of, you know, um, obstacles and challenges. And it was on that I was working on. You know, I wasn't really working from a place of, this is who Morning Tungia is. This is what I like. This is what I don't like. You know, I mean, people will definitely define you. Platforms will define you based off of awards, based off of what, where they think you should be in regards to your work and all of that. But who are you? You know, I always thought I knew who I was, but no, I was acting from a place of this is what I went through in life. I don't want to go through that in life. I don't want any other woman, any other girl to go through that. So that, that is what I'm working on. But that's not who I was. Now I know who I am and I know what I can change and I'm, you know, tapping in from that growth. So that's what I'm going to advise whoever is out there going through a really rough time trying to figure out life, you know. Yeah. Well, that, that's really amazing, uh, Monique. As you think about who you are, um, has has that changed 
over the years since you were 12. You said you're 31. That's 19 years since you were 12. Do, do, do you think you have changed? Have you grown? Can people like me hope that in 19 years we'll be different or better? Or are we stuck being who we are? No, the constant thing in life is change, Devin. I've definitely um, changed in very many ways. You know, at first, for example, um, growing up, I used to be very aggressive. Not like, come at you like fights, but I, the way I used to react to issues, it, especially issues concerning, you know, sexual harassment that I've been a victim of, you know, people trying to take advantage of me and stuff like that. I'll be, I'll come across like, I'll be very aggressive and, you know, like, you know, like just like very aggressive. But now I've learned to, you know, take a step back and even act from a place of silence and even act from a place of, you know, tapping into people who can help um, support me in that cause, in that, in that fight. So of course we can change. But for you to change, you must be able to permit yourself to go through that shredding, taking off of, okay, this is who I was. That did not serve me. What can serve me? Can I become this person? And mind you, you would not change like completely. But best believe that your ability to change will come from um, you actually wanting that change and you know, going through the process. And even when, you know, that aggressivity wants to, like, come back, then since I leveraged on people, you could say a therapist, you could say a mentor, you could say, let me say, somewhere like yourself, you'd be like, oh, you know what, why don't you just take some time off? Just take some time off, you know, just just breathe, you know, and if you're still feeling, you know, like, angry, like, give me a call, you know, like, so, like, we change, we definitely change, but it's not all about, don't think this issue of change is like, it's permanent. And once you say, I want to change and you undergo, undertake the steps to change, automatically you become a new person. No. The change is maintained because you've put systems and processes in the form of what people, in the form of what books, in the form of what routines, new routines you can develop. So it helps keep you at that constant so you don't go back to who you you are so that when you get hit face to face with a problem what do you do do you switch off your phone do you read a book do you do yoga do you call your therapist do you call this mentor so yeah so we do change does the does the challenge uh change. Uh, that is, as you think about how you uh, become uh, better, uh, does that change over time? Does that change over time? Becoming better, wanting to become better, does it change over time? Uh, that's um, yes and no. In my case, I discovered my purpose in life. I was 12, right? But it was not clear. But I knew very well that whatever I decided to study in school, whatever activism I decided to do, it was tied to whatever I'm known for today, you know, making the lives of 
women and girls, African rural communities better, being an expert in gender and human rights, you know, since, since I am a trained legal professional and, and all of that, you know, um, it will change for the better that if you choose, first of all, to be a better person, and you would ask me who is a better person, a better person is somebody who knows who knows that for me to be a better person, I have to leverage on transformation. I have to go with the flow of how things are happening. I have to keep the company of those who see the good in me and want to see the best in me. You know, I have to develop routines, you know, that will help me tap more because there's always more in us. Don't think... Because you've arrived here, like that's it. No, you just never know how far you can go, Devin, until you risk going far, you know. So there is more. You can be a better person every day. You can be like a fabulous person the next 10, 20 years. It all depends on are you ready to put in the work, which requires what? Keeping an open mind. But in keeping an open mind, not just taking in, absorbing whatever, but keeping an open mind and feeding that mind with what? Amazing routines you know, keeping great company of people who will positively criticize you, who see the good in you, who will give you a helping hand, who believe in you, who speak positivity and speak life into you. And you might not be able to change if you are just, you know, static. If, if you're like adamant to change, you're like, I want it like this and this is how it's going to be, you know. Where you keep that kind of closed mindset, you don't want to change, you don't want to learn everything, you, you know it all, then you're not going to change. Then you just find yourself in this vicious cycle. So it's a yes and no, but it all depends on the individual. You know, you cannot say you want to be a better person and you don't keep an open mind that you feed with positivity, that you feed with um, great routines that are going to always take you, you know, one step further. It seems to me, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think from a fairly early age, when you were facing some of your biggest challenges as a 12 or 13-year-old girl, your father died, your mother's dying, it seems to me that part of what was going on with you was that you were trying to make the world a better place. You were fairly cause-oriented fairly early. And I'm wondering if, is it fair to think that that orientation, that that desire to help other people, did that in some way contribute to your ability to overcome challenges? Of course. Of course. What doesn't kill you makes you a stronger person. Um, yes. I remember vividly when... Uh, my dad was buried and we came back and our things were put out of the house and, you know, my mom had to figure herself out with the kids and all of that. I remember telling myself, you know, that young, that kind of like what my mom was going through, what I was going through, no other girl, no other woman was going to go through that. I did not know how I was going to not make that happen, you know, but as I grew up, I realized that, oh, okay, if I study law, you know, I'll have an upper hand. I'll be able to defend the cause of you know, women and girls who are victims of, you know, this kind of treatment, you know, I have, so yeah, whatever I went through in life, the pains, the challenges, the obstacles permitted me 
to find my purpose in life. And that's what people have to understand. Um, living a fulfilled life, you need to know what your purpose in life is. And your purpose in life, a lot of the times, is found in our pain, in our lowest lows, in the darkest, you know, of the rooms, of the situations, you know. Your purpose in life is found where you think all hope is lost. And then you pull through from that situation and you're like, how the hell did I go through that? How did I do it? So yes, what I went through in life prepared me for where I am today because there are a lot of things that I go through and I'm just not faced. I'm probably like, you're so chilled. You're so like, don't you? And in my mind, I'm like, you guys have absolutely no idea what I've been through. You know, but best believe that whatever you go through in life, especially the obstacles, especially the, the, the challenges, it prepares you for something, for a terrain unknown that you're yet to venture into. So yes, definitely. From a very young age, I knew I was going to change the world. I didn't know how I was going to do that, but I knew exactly the cause I was going to fight for, which was women and girls, African women and, and girls. How was I going to do that? I was not sure. And yes, my everything I've gone through in life, the challenges definitely prepared me for a time like this and have really um, defined me and shaped me into who I am. Definitely, Devin. That really is profound. And I'm, I'm grateful for you, Monique, sharing that. Before we wrap up, is there anything else you'd want to share to tell people how they can build that Monique level strength for overcoming adversity? Oh, first of all, no two people are the same. No two people are the same. We all have our strength. We all have our weaknesses. And um, over time in life, with the help of amazing mentors, I've learned to focus on my strength and not my weaknesses. Act from the place of your strength, what you are good at, you know, because the weaknesses are always going to be there. So in order for me not to spread myself thin, I've um, learned to work from a place of strength. No two people are the same. That I went through this doesn't mean you can go through that. In life, we experience whatever we experience in terms of challenges, in terms of difficulties, because that was part, that was supposed to be part of our life's journey. You know, what you can go through as a challenge, David, it may not be definitely what I can go through to each their own. But when the challenges come, you have to understand, like I said earlier, knowing yourself is a beginning of wisdom. When you know who you are, then you would know what are your strengths are. Which particular strength can you tap into to be able to, you know, handle this situation you're going through? Handle this period, this difficult period you're going through so that you come out, you know, a refreshed person, you come out better, you come out, you're, you've grown, you know, and you're, on, you're, you're, you're onto the next level, you know, of your life. So no two people are the same. What works for me will definitely not work for you. But the takeaway is who are you? Because knowing yourself is the beginning of wisdom. You cannot change what you don't know. So who are you? And when you know who you are, act from a place of strength. Tap into your strength. Tap into what you're you're, you're, you're good at and accept that you cannot change, you know, automatically. But what can happen is you will not definitely react the same way you used to react because maybe right at this time, you know, I have to switch off when the trigger 
you feel the trigger coming or I have to like read a book or I have to like, you know, do a yoga session or I have to call this mentor or call this amazing coach and, you know, so yeah, know who you are. No, fantastic. Fantastic. Well, uh, Monique, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Before you go, maybe you could just take a minute and tell people again how they can connect with you and learn more about your work. Okay. Uh, Monique Tumgia is the same name, Tumgia Monique. Monique Tumgia on all the social media platforms, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, you know, um, the same name. Um, reach out to me, support the course, uh, Green Girls. We are doing phenomenal work. We're still going to do more, especially when the entire pandemic, you know, comes to an end. There'll be so much work because we've been able, we've gotten authorizations to work in um, Nigeria, Niger, Senegal, the Gambia, and, and Mali. So it's going to be amazing impacts. We, uh, we can't look forward to going back to the field. So yeah, reach out to me on every any social media platforms and uh, let's talk, let's share, let's support each other and make the world a better place. And thank you, Devin, for always believing in me. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I've learned a lot from you today, Monique, and I, I trust uh, those who read the book and listen to this podcast will feel certainly wiser and smarter and better able to overcome adversity. So thank you very, very much. I'm grateful thank you, for David. your time today. I'm, I'm now, humbled. Thank you so much for always being um, one of those people, you know, who was always rooting for me and believing in me and providing me with amazing platforms. And I'll be grateful. Thank you. And best of luck in, you know, your oh, new you. adventures, you know. Yeah, it's never too late. Go oh, after it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you very much. All righty. Let's do some good.